0: Uh, I'm in part three of my ongoing sermon series, Encounters with Jesus. Um, And to me, it's so poignant as you go back in scripture and you see what happens when people really encounter the Lord Jesus. Uh, It's extraordinary. And today we're going to talk about the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, And it's a well-known story, but there's some important new things that we need to reflect on. And so here, Jesus is going to meet up with these two disciples who are traveling from Jerusalem back to Emmaus. Uh, It's a seven-mile walk. I've actually made that trip. Uh, I did it by car, and it was very moving to me to get to the spot where there was a a second-century church there, which is now just basically wreckage. But it was very moving as you see what what was there. Uh, And so Jesus is going to hide himself and walk with them, and he's, and he's going to talk to them about what they didn't understand, and that is that the entire scripture was all about Jesus. And if they had really studied it and understood what Christ had said, their world would not have come apart, because you see, they were devastated. Here, they thought Jesus would be their Messiah, a political and economic Messiah, someone that would take the boot of Rome off of them. And of course, that's not what the Lord came to. He came to take the boot of sin off of us and to give us eternal life. And so here they are, basically devastated because their Lord has been crucified and is dead. Uh, And now they're facing the tough realities of life. And now Jesus will come and open up the scriptures and explain all the scriptures to them. When I get to heaven, uh, I hope I can get a videotape. Of that. Really. Probably the greatest sermon ever given. As a creator of the universe opens the Bible and says, It's all about me. Uh, and so it's extraordinary. And so Just prior to dawn, uh, the pre-dawn raid on Gethsemane, Jesus mounted the foal of a donkey and walked into Jerusalem on the donkey in accordance with scripture, just the scripture it indicated, to the cheering of thousands of thousands, putting down palm branches before him, uh, and saying along the road, save us, save us, as they hail him as their Messiah. Uh, and because they expected him to be their Messiah. This would be one week before he would be crucified. He had promised them, you see, abundant life, but they had construed abundant life as economic and political, uh, not spiritual, and that's not what Jesus promised. Uh, And so, yes, Jesus would become their king, but not a political king. And yes, less than a week later, uh, as the sun would set, he would be hung lifeless on a cold day, on a cross, on a Roman road, just outside the city walls. And so his most faithful follower sat in dejected wonder, crushed uh, as the Sabbath began. In light of the prophecies uh, and all the great works that Jesus had fulfilled, in light of the promises that he had made, Uh, They had complete confidence that he was their Messiah. Uh, And yet, they did not understand what his call was on their life. As he lay dead uh, on that cross, Pilate now had newfound uh, righteousness, really, in the eyes of the people, and newfound popularity. And so as the sun rises, and I want you to get this picture, as the sun rises on Sunday morning and the Passover feast came to an end, two of Jesus' followers, two of his disciples, left for home clearly heartbroken, uh, resolving to leave all their foolish dreams behind them in Jerusalem. Uh, Even as rumors of the resurrection circulated, the dejected pair began to walk a seven-mile walk Uh, to the village of Emmaus, and this is probably, this walk is probably gonna take five or six hours. And so I want you to think about Jesus spending five or six hours giving this incredible sermon in which he will go through the scriptures and show them every place that he is mentioned, every place that God had articulated about the coming of Christ. I can tell you that it's there In every book of the Bible look at Luke 24 verse 14 they were talking with each other about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things with each other Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing them now do you wonder why Jesus kept them from recognizing him it was because Jesus was not interested in cult of personality This is important for us as people who worship him. We go to church, we go to church not because of cult of personality. We go to church to get the word of God. And yes, they looked at Jesus. Yes, they recognized him as righteous. Yes, they even recognized him as a prophet, but he was so much more, he was God himself. You understand? They were with God, and they didn't recognize it while they walked with him when he was alive. And so Jesus wanted to keep them from seeing his personage because he wanted to deliver the unmitigated, unvarnished word of God. He asked them in verse 17, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you... The only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Incredible, right? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. It's amazing. Here he is the very centerpiece of all that took place in Jerusalem. And he said, what things? Because Jesus is looking to draw you out. Jesus knows your hurt. Jesus knows your pain. And he reaches you in a loving way as he draws that pain out. Luke, Luke here describes this, uh, the disciples really talking as if they're bantering ideas back and forth in, in incredible emotion as their world has been shaken. Uh, and all of the expectations that they had about who the Messiah would be Are crushed, and God didn't want them to see the personage of Jesus. He wanted them to hear the message of Jesus, because that's what would really be crucial. And so as they looked at this stranger, uh, they said the following, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Are you the only one? This is amazing. Now it's laughable that Jesus, of all people, would have asked that question. Uh, their response was palpable. What things, Jesus said. What things? Of course, he knew what things, but he wanted them to talk. He wanted them to be drawn out. This is a lesson to you even as you spread the word of God, as you speak to people who are in pain. What things? Let people talk. Let them open up. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God. And all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Now, how about that? It's the third day. If they had paid attention to Jesus, if they'd really listened to what he said Over and over and over again, he spoke about the third day, even to the point when he said, you will rip down this temple, and on the third day, God will rebuild it. And they thought they were talking about a physical temple, when rather it was his body, his life, the resurrected life. And so the Bible is replete with references to the third day from Abraham right through Uh, In every way, the third day is important, and yet they didn't understand it. And now it's the third day, they say. It's the third day, not realizing how important uh, it is. And so with this statement, Cleopas really reveals the source of his trouble. They had noble expectations for a social deliverer, for an economic deliverer, for a political deliverer, for a soldier who would lead a fight against Rome. Uh, And all of that failed to materialize. Uh, And so this limited perspective really would not allow him to understand and embrace the Messiah's full uh, call in this world. Uh, And Cleopas continues in his discussion. There you look at Luke 24, verse 21. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And in fact, he did redeem Israel. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus doesn't mince words. How foolish you are. You have not understood the Bible. What he didn't say is, I walked for you with you for three years. What were you doing? Were you not listening? Were you not paying attention? And there's a lesson for us. We come to church, we socialize, we may even be involved in leadership, but are we really listening to the word of God? Are we applying the word of God to our lives? Uh, And so certainly Cleopas and the other disciple had all the facts. They knew the facts, they had seen Jesus, They, they knew what he said, yet they lacked the spiritual discernment to understood what was plainly visible. They lacked the spiritual discernment. Uh, You see, because their viewpoint was not on a spiritual dimension, it was on a physical dimension, and we've seen that already with Nicodemus. We've seen it already with the Samaritan woman. This is what happens when you focus on the physical and not the spiritual. Uh, They saw Jesus as only a prophet. Well, Jesus was more than a prophet. He was the Son of God, Uh, and and he said to Pilate uh, during the trial, you have no authority over me unless it had been given you from from above. And so you understand this. Jesus is the Son of God. And so the entire scripture, every book in the Old Testament was about him. Uh, And this was an important message to be delivered to these disciples. And it's an important message for you, too, as you go out and speak to people who do not know the Lord. Now, Jesus began to pull away the layers from these two disciples. If you look at Luke 24, verse 25, He said to them, "'How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken.'" Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Yes. If you read the Bible, if you studied the Bible, it was clear from the beginning. The Messiah had to suffer. He had to die on a cross. That was clear right back to the time of Moses when the bronze snake was put up on a a pole so that anyone who would look at that bronze snake would not die from the venomous bites of those serpents. And it was that way throughout scripture. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he went back and explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That's why I want to see that videotape. Can you imagine Jesus going through the Bible and going, look at this verse. Look at this. Look at this point. Look at this sign. Look at this metaphor. It's about me. It's about me. And they're sitting there blindly ignorant because they had never looked at it with spiritual discernment. This is the message God has for us today. As you open the Bible and go back to the Bible, ask God to give you a discernment, to understand that it's all about him. It's about him. And you know, when I hear preachers preach and say that the uh, Old Testament is not that relevant, they're so sadly wrong. It's one Bible. You understand? It's one Bible. And the Old Testament lays the very foundation for the coming of Christ. And so Jesus did it. He went right back to the beginning from Moses right through the prophets, demonstrating that it was all about him. Look, God had a new covenant in mind. The old covenant had failed. Man could not live by the laws that God had set up, they had fallen, they were in sin. And whereas the old covenant was designed to let man know I need a savior, man instead elevated the the law, elevated the law, really, to a point where they worshiped the law. It was not meant to be worshiped. Instead, it was meant to convict uh, and to let us know that we needed a savior. Uh, And so God was not concerned about your material possessions. He was not concerned about your economic welfare, that you needed more wealth. In fact, he wasn't even concerned about Rome, because he knew Rome was a temporal power. He was concerned about your spiritual life. Where will you spend eternity? All right. How will you have everlasting life? And so here he is, the king of Israel, Jesus Christ, the successor to David, the son of God, would liberate Israel and the entire world from sin, from the bondage of sin. There is no greater bondage. Nothing that Rome could do would compare to the bondage of sin, as Jesus would change all of that right down to the very atoms in this world. And so Jesus... Really helps these two disciples by giving them a new mindset. Go back and look at Scripture. And starting with Genesis, applying the lyrics of the poets and expositing the word of the poets, he demonstrated how the sacrificial death of the Messiah was required to defeat evil. Make no mistake about it, Christ had to die. It was the only way that God would defeat sin. Blood had to be spent, and it would be the blood of Christ once and for all. Not an animal sacrifice, but the blood of the Son of God on a cross. And he cited Isaiah 53, verse 5. Uh, And this is important to understand this, because here is the Scripture. Here it is, 700 years before Christ would be born, you have eternal life. Christ himself would suffer the horrible punishment on the cross. And because of that, you would have everlasting peace. You would have eternal life. There it is. It's in the scripture. It's about me 700 years before. And so you can imagine them hearing Jesus giving them this sermon. And so as they approached the towns of Emmaus, and you can understand that it wasn't just that one passage, there had to be innumerable passages. I'm sure Jesus talked about Psalm 22. I'm sure he talked about it where it basically reveals in detail the coming of the crucifixion, right down to the nails, right down to the fact that that the malefactors will bargain for his clothing, right there in every detail. And I'm sure Jesus said, look, see, Open your eyes, understand what God has done. He has given you this proof that Christ is the Messiah. And so as these two disciples uh, find themselves so intrigued with this man, uh, they urge the stranger to stay that night in keeping with the Middle Eastern uh, traditions of having dinner together uh, and having hospitality together. And so you can imagine, I'm sure Jesus was walking with them five, six, seven hours, and that's seven mile away. And so they said, please, stay with us. You can imagine, oh, what this man is saying is touching our hearts. We never thought about it like that. We didn't see it like that before. Uh, and this is a lesson for us. Uh, even as we come to church, open our eyes, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit open my eyes and touch my heart. Uh, and, and one final truth Obscuring layer remained on their eyes. They failed to acknowledge the resurrection. Look, here's the thing. If they had studied the scripture, if they had listened to what Jesus said, instead of walking away to Jerusalem, they would have walked to Jerusalem because they would have walked there waiting to see the risen Lord, but they didn't. They had heard the reports, but they still didn't believe. They had the facts but they still didn't believe. They simply refused to believe with all their hearts. This is what Jesus wants from us, to believe with all your heart. Now their lack of faith and belief affected everything. Uh, they would have, If they had recognized that Jesus was in fact throughout the Old Testament, they certainly would have been walking to Jerusalem, not away. Second, they would have accepted the fact of the trials and the crucifixion and the suffering as the fulfillment of everything that Christ said would be appropriate for him. It was not the end of their hopes, it was the beginning of their hopes, and yet they didn't see it. And so as the afternoon sun drifts closer to the horizon, Jesus and the two disciples prepare for the meal and continue the discussion regarding the need for the Messiah to die. Uh, What took place was eye-opening for them. And you look at Luke 24, verse 30, and it says there, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They recognized him. They recognized him when he broke the bread. Why was that? Well, some theologians say they saw the scars in his hands. Some theologians say no, it was probably because they were there uh, when he fed the 5,000 and saw how he broke the bread then. Some some say it was because they were there at the Last Supper and saw how Jesus broke the bread again there. We don't know, but whatever it was at that precise moment, the Holy Spirit descended on them and they said, It's Jesus. He is alive. Uh, And and, and immediately, immediately Christ disappears. He disappears uh, because the relevance of what he came for had taken place. He opened their eyes. He opened their hearts. They saw the reality of the message. They saw everything that God had done from the beginning of time to prepare this world for a risen Lord. Uh, And so you see this. And so it's so poignant to me as you see Jesus giving this great sermon. And you see how you need to have your heart open look merely coming to church is not enough it's not enough you need to open your heart to the message of the Lord you need to have the word of God implanted in your heart you need to understand that the Bible needs to be opened you need to read the Bible it is the revealed word of God and I assure you every single book of the Bible is about Jesus Christ Now, there are some important lessons for us in this story. First, we need to choose to view life through God's eyes. How many of us do that? Or do we have this puny human perspective? We're narcissists. That's what I need. It's what's important to me. Uh, And some of us view God as our personal concierge. He's not your personal concierge. He's the God of the universe you understand he's the very god of the universe we have to walk in the perspective of god the sovereignty of god not my own limited perspective we have to ask god to elevate our viewpoint our vantage point so that we can see what's happening to us and those around us through him and how do we do that by studying his word by looking at the bible Uh, and that's what you do and pray and ask God to transform your thinking. God, help me to think more like you, Father. Help me to see the world from your perspective. Then, second, surrender your expectations. Jesus was not a political messiah. Jesus was not an economic messiah. Jesus didn't come to give you great prosperity. Jesus didn't come so you could have a bigger house or a newer car or a bigger boat. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those things, but that's not what he came for and why you are his disciples. You came to him because he saved you for eternity because of sin. He delivered you from the bondage of sin. And so stop trying to change the universe to put it in accordance with your own thinking. Instead, bow to his will and say, Lord, I'll serve you. I'll go with you. I'll be where you want me to go. Open the doors that you want me to go. Direct me, Lord. Let let my paths follow you. Third, acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus Christ and stake your future on it. There is no more important event in the history of the world than the day Jesus walked out of that tomb. Your life would never be the same. Life for humanity would never be the same. It would radically transform humanity. His resurrection gives us life and hope and a reason to get up every day because we know that because of what he did for us, we can live for tomorrow. And so the Lord, you see, allowed their pain to continue for seven miles. He could have stopped him, mile number one, right? He could have said, boys, boys, look, let me make it simple for you. I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. Look at me. Here's, this, here's my hands. I'm Jesus. Relax. It's all good. It's all good. Stop crying. It's all. That's not how God works, you see? No, I need to go seven miles with you, Lord. Every mile I walk as you're opening the scripture. And as you do that, the pain is slowly subsiding as the pain is being pulled out of my life. That's how God works, little by little by little. Yes, he doesn't take it all away, he takes it step by step. What a lesson that is for me, as I understand my walk with the Lord. He doesn't give me a revelation all at once, but he gives it to me in drips and drabs as I walk one step in front of the other. And so finally, their eyes are opened. Their physical eyes are opened. What they couldn't see before, now they see. Why? Because Christ was with them. Because they had encountered Christ. Because the Holy Spirit had opened their eyes. Because they understood fully what was in the Bible, what God had promised them. And the reality of Jesus Christ came back uh, and that carried them back to Jerusalem. What I, I love here is they go back to Jerusalem at night. Immediately they go back at night. Now I want you to reflect on the fact that this was a dangerous road. All right? There weren't street lights, there weren't police to guard them, but they went back because they knew Jesus was back there and the disciples were back there, and that's what they wanted to be with. Uh, And so you see this. Look at their response in Luke 24, verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and this appeared to Simon as uh, then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. You know the, how I feel when I see this, when I read these words? It's how I feel when I come to church on Sunday morning. My heart, is quickened. When I come and I hear the music that lifts up and worships us, when I come and I see you, when I embrace you, when you embrace me, when I see the love of the Lord contained throughout this church, when I recognize that this is a place that God gave us, I can't wait to come here, just like those disciples couldn't wait to go back to Jerusalem. And this is what happens when you encounter Jesus. Your life will never be the same. We'll never be the same. And so look at what Jesus had said. He said, above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness, and all your needs will be given to you as well. You see, you were so worried. Lord, I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my family. And all I can say to you is put it on the altar for Christ. Give it to him. Bow to him. And when you give it to him, when you bow to Christ, when he takes over your life, he will take care of everything. He will give you what you need, not necessarily what you want. And that means in every aspect of your life, he will be there. Jesus also said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Look, we can only have bread an experience like this when you have a personal encounter. Aren't you tired, really, of trying to make life sensible for you? Aren't you tired of every day getting up and looking at the insignificant things of life and having them bury you? You need to see what the risen Christ can do for you. Yes, in your mouth and in your mind you accepted Christ has, has risen, but have you done it in your heart? Or are you like these two guys? Good men, good men. They were disciples, but they didn't get it. They didn't get it until Jesus brought it home to them. He gave them the reality. Look, a truly abundant life is just across the moment we have a personal encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have your eyes opened to Jesus, you will want others to have their eyes open. That's one of the things that we do. It's not just good enough for us. We want others to have that same experience. Uh, and you can, you'll be the same way, just as they said, didn't our hearts burn within us while he was speaking to us, uh, while he was explaining the scriptures? That's what happens, you see, when you give your heart to the Lord. It moved their hearts, and when their hearts were moved, they accepted who Jesus was as their true Messiah. Uh, and yes, it was a dark hour, and they walked back, but they didn't care. They couldn't wait to get back and share what they have seen. Uh, with, with the other disciples. Uh, Jesus said to Thomas in John 20, verse 29, because you have seen me, you have believed. Those who believe without seeing are blessed. And that's us. We haven't physically seen Jesus, but we've seen him in the spirit. And God has blessed us because of that. He has revealed his word. He has opened the scriptures. He has done that. He does it every week for us, and we bow in in thanks for his sovereignty. And so my question for you today is this. Do you know Jesus truly this morning? Do you really know him, or are you like the, the two disciples who walked with him? They were around him. They knew him in their head, all right? You understand? You can go to church. You come in. You're entertained. We have nice music. We have nice people. We even have good coffee, all right. I mean, it's a nice, comfortable place to be. But do you know Jesus? Because if you don't know Jesus, then you know what? Stay home. Stay in bed. Get extra sleep. We could all see, always use some, a couple of hours of extra sleep. But here's the thing. This is life-changing, what we're dealing with. And God is entrusting us with these eternal truths. And so I would say to you this, if you you find that you're like those disciples, I want you to pray with me this morning as you bow your head and say this prayer to yourself, but make this prayer. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you that you've brought me here to hear this message. And Lord, I recognize that in some ways I'm like those two disciples. I've walked with you, but I haven't truly known you, Lord. I haven't truly accepted you. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that you will accept me as your child. I accept you as my Lord and Savior in every way. I will follow you the rest of my life. I believe that you were resurrected from the dead on that third day. And I recognize that today you sit at the right hand of God. And if you made that prayer today, I can assure you that you will see Jesus someday and you will be with your family that have gone before you as God has given you eternal life. Amen, church? Amen. 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 God bless you.